got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 10. If you uh, don't have a Bible or you'd rather use the, uh, the Uversion app, uh, the notes are up there this week on uh, the Uversion app or website if you've got a smartphone or uh, tablet with you. Uh, we're going to be looking at an interesting passage of Scripture and one that an aspect of really jumped out at me a few weeks ago. And I want to start today by asking you this question. Um, and then we're going to, I'm going to let you discuss a little bit and we're going to share a little bit. But um, are you an adventurous eater? Are you an adventurous eater? All right. So when you go to a restaurant, do you have your tried and true at every restaurant and that's what you eat? Or are you one that likes to experiment? All right. So are you an adventurous eater? Let me ask you this question. I want you to think about the craziest thing you have ever eaten. Alright? So I want you to think about what is the craziest thing you have ever eaten. I want you to turn to somebody around you, get in little groups, and share with each other the craziest thing you've ever eaten. Alright? Somebody tell me, that. listen closely to the instructions. I want to know what somebody told you they ate that you would never, ever eat. What? Soap? Oh, you've, Zach, you've eaten some soap? Alright. We won't ask the, 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 the circumstances. What did you have over here? Raccoon. How many of you have eaten raccoon? Yeah, I have. I've had some raccoon. I'll tell you a funny story about raccoon. One, uh, I know that's, that, that doesn't sound good. I'll tell you a funny story about some raccoon meat, alright? Uh, I was pastoring in Ripley and took our youth minister who was from Alabama out to eat with this family that we always ate with and we were eating and he had barbecue. We were just eating that barbecue. We loved that barbecue. We got back and at the end, he had told me on the way in, we're eating some coon today, some raccoon. That's what that is. And so he didn't tell my new youth minister that's what we were eating. He kept saying, man, this raccoon's a bad man. He didn't say, okay, this barbecue's really good, man. I don't know what you did to it, but man, this is good. And so as we're getting ready to leave, he goes, do you know what you ate today? He said, no, man, I just thought it was barbecue. He goes, well, it was raccoon meat. We got back to the church. The youth minister said, I believe, Pastor, I'm going to have to take the rest of the afternoon off. My food's not settling with me, all right? So somebody else, something that somebody ate that you wouldn't eat. Whale's eggs, all right? That's a different. Groundhog, Popsitani Phil, all right? We got one back here. Frog legs. How many of you have eaten frog legs? Oh, look at that. You know what I like about frog legs? They taste just like chicken. That's right. <laughs> what do you got over here? Candle wax. Uh, I was probably going for actual food there. All right. Wayne in the back. Pickled pig lips. Amen. All right. How many of you had that? A couple of couple people have. All right. Sweetbreads. Yeah, we know. Some of us know what that is. All right. Marilyn, this is our last one in the back row. What? Yakamandu. I don't even know what that is, Chris. We don't want to know. All right. There's a show on TV. You know, there's a guy that makes his living going around eating bizarre foods. A guy named Andrew. It's called uh, Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmerman. And he, he, listen, this is two episodes of his, all right? 
So this is what he ate in an episode. Lamb tongue and eyes, cow's heart, stuffed pancreas, poached calf's brain, and pigeon pie. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Here's the second show. Let's show right after that. Guinea pig empanada. Cow's stomach lining and heart. Lemon ants. Piranha and coconut grub. Alright? Now, why is what am I talking about that? Well, today we're going to see somebody that God used crazy, ridiculous, nasty food to him to open up his mind about what it meant to follow the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 9. It says, The next day, as they were traveling and nearing the city, we'll talk about who is traveling and nearing and what happened the day before in a minute, but I want to start in the middle and then build around it. Peter went up to pray on the housetop at about noon. So, back in their day, they would have had... Um, Houses where instead of a patio or a porch, you would have just gone up on the roof. There would have been stairs on the outside that went up to a roof, and they would have had a place to sit, or they would have a place to kind of be around up on the roof. It's where you you went and just kind of relaxed, all right? Became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he went into a visionary state. Alright? So how many of you have ever been there before when you're really hungry and mom or dad or your husband or your wife is cooking something and it's smelling up the whole house? Anybody been there? And it just makes you hungry. Anybody ever been shopping when you're hungry? Like grocery shopping? Anybody ever been to Sam's when they got all those samples out and you're hungry? Alright. So what's happening here is he's on the roof. He's sitting there. He's trying to pray and to think. But the only thing that he can think of at the moment is food. He's hungry. In fact, what it says there is he went into an ecstatic state. He went into a state of vision where he was constantly, all he could think about was something going on out there. The idea literally is, as he's sitting on the roof or laying on the roof or kneeling on the roof, that the smell, the odor of what they're cooking is rising up unto him. And all he can think about is food. Verse 11. He saw heaven opened and an object coming down that resembled a large sheet being lowered to the earth by its four corners. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and birds of the sky. So you got to get a picture here. So some people try to say, what did he see? Did he sail off in the distance? Did he, was there something going on? Was there somebody doing a sheet on the other side? Whatever it is, he says he sees heaven open and this sheet descends with everything you can imagine on it. It helps when your Bible doesn't turn the page on its own. There it is. And it were the four-footed animals and the reptiles and the birds. Verse 13. Then a voice said to him, get up Peter... Kill and eat. This is kind of the hunter's motto, right? Get up, kill, and eat. And Peter replied in verse 14, what did he say to the Lord? He said, absolutely God, you ask me, I will do it. Is that what he says? What does he say? Surely not, Lord. Now, I'll just be real honest with you. When I'm studying it this week, what I found is that is about as nice as you can translate what Peter said. What he says is, there is no way in the world. I will never do that, God. Absolutely not. Surely you can't be asking me to do that. No, no, 
no, no. Uh, around our house, um, Maddie is starting to assert her will and become the boss of the house, alright? And apparently, as she's been growing up, when she's wanted something and it wasn't time for her to have it, I will just take it from her or say, no ma'am, we don't do that. Or, you know, she'll pitch a fit and I'll say, no ma'am, we don't do that. Well, she has determined that's the proper way to tell people no. And so last night, as Eli was trying to help her get ready for supper and bring her to supper, she just looked at him and yelled, no ma'am! Alright? Basically, Peter's not saying no ma'am, but it's as emphatic as never will I do that, Lord. Let me ask you a question, because this is the central point of where I want to get today. What would it take for you to tell the Lord no? What, if the Lord asked you to do it, would you say no? Let's talk about what God's asking Peter to do here. All it is is some animals on a sheet. What's the big deal about that? What's the big deal for Peter about that? What do those animals represent? Things that he had been told from the moment he had been born that it was not okay to eat. Right? If we take the fact that most people think Peter was in his late teens or early twenties when Jesus... uh, called him to follow him. And we take that Peter, and this is now 10, 15 years later that all this is kind of happening, that things are going on. We take that, just, let's just say that that's the process. Peter is a guy that's probably in his early 30s around my age. And all of his life he has been told, in order to be someone who follows after God, you do not eat this stuff. If you want to be someone that is serious about following God, you do not eat that. If you want to be someone that's serious about following God, you don't do this. Now, if we are honest with ourselves, all of us have those lists in our mind. You know what? If they were really serious about the church, they wouldn't do that. Or if they were really serious about being a follower of Jesus, they wouldn't think that or say that or do that. It had been drilled into Peter his entire life. You do not eat that food. One day when he's up on the roof and life is just normal as can be and he gets a little hungry, God suddenly says, eat. Here's the first point to think about today. God will sometimes shake us in understanding what we think is appropriate. God will sometimes shatter our understanding of acceptable. What happens here is Peter has lived his whole life leaving, thinking this is what it means to follow God. And even though he's been through and with Jesus, even though he's heard Jesus say things like, it's not what goes into the mouth of a man that makes him clean, but what comes out of the heart, he's heard that. Even though he's been with Jesus, when Jesus said the rules that you're making us follow Pharisees aren't something that we are comfortable with, and it's not what God would intend. Even though he's seen Jesus shatter all the rules. And Jesus shattered what was acceptable. Jewish men didn't talk to women. Jesus talked to women. Good Jewish men didn't talk to sinful women especially. Jesus let good, uh, let sinful women come in and wash His feet with their hair. 
Good Jewish people didn't associate with tax collectors. Jesus called one of them to follow Him. Good Jewish people didn't associate with the sinners of the world, and yet Jesus ate dinner or lunch with them, it looks like, almost every day. Jesus shattered what was acceptable. So Peter was used to having things shattered by Jesus. But what happens here is, suddenly he's getting comfortable in who he is, and God's ready to do something else. And the sheet comes down and there's all kinds of food on it. And God says, get up, go eat, kill and eat it. And he says, no. Verse 14 again, look at it. No, Lord, Peter said, for I have never eaten anything common and unclean. And again a second time, a voice said to him, what God has made clean you must not call common. Look at verse 16. This happened how many times? Three. How many times? Did the number three have any significance to Peter? What did the number three have significance for Peter? What did he do three times? He denied Christ three times. You remember John chapter 21 when Jesus is reinstating Peter? What does he do? He asked him how many times? Three times do you love my sheep? Do you think Peter got the idea on the third time? The idea here is he hears from the Lord and he sees the sheep and he sees all this food. Now, we think about it and we go, what's the big deal, Peter? I mean, some of us would have been excited because Peter had never had bacon in his life. God was saying, get up, go eat. Never had a pork chop. Shrimp. None of the ways that Bubba prepared it in Forrest Gump had he ever had. And God says, get up and eat. We say, what's the big deal, Peter? The big deal is Peter had thought all his life there was a way to follow God and it included not eating that. Let me ask you a question. What would it take for you to say no to the Lord? What is it that if God were to say, wow, do this, you would say, no, 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 Lord. I'm not going to do that. Now, the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, most of our list are much less important than we would like to think they are. We've been talking over this uh, past few weeks about the renovation that's happening next door in our other building and, and the fact that we need to allow our lives to be renovated. We need to allow the Lord to come into our lives. But the truth is, if the Lord is going to renovate our lives, if He's going to change some things in our lives, He's going to have to tear some things down first. You know the first part of the renovation over there, the first thing they did? They started tearing stuff apart. Started tearing it out, getting it out, clearing it out. And one of the first things that God wants to do before this next major movement that we're going to notice in just a minute, we're going to get to the reason behind all this, is He realized in order for His church, in order for His people, in order for His plan to move forward, He had to tear down some assumptions of what was acceptable in their lives. Now, here, let me tell you this. We're not talking about minor things for Peter here. We're talking about something that in Leviticus chapter 11 lists what it means to be acceptable to God. We're talking about Scripture that Peter is saying, you know what? I'm not going to do it, Lord. Some of us grew up with church being a certain way or following Christ being a certain way and it meant you could do this and you couldn't do that or you must do this and you can't do that or you 
had worship services that were exactly like this, but couldn't be like that. Or you had a Sunday school class that was just like that and couldn't be doing that. Some of us grew up in an environment where if you were a good Christian, then what you said and did and looked like had a specific tone to it. We have no idea how radical it was what God was telling Peter to do. None. He was asking him to set aside 30 to 40 years of theological training and go completely opposite of what he had been taught. He's asking him to set aside 30 to 40 years of what church and following God was supposed to be like to move towards what God had called him to do. What would it take for you to say no to the Lord? What would it take for you to say, I'm not going that far. Lord, you know what? That was good, but I'm not going that far. Here's the thing I want you to notice, and we're going to finish with this point. God will sometimes shatter our understanding of acceptable, and the whole reason that He will do it is to extend His kingdom. God will sometimes shatter our understanding of acceptable in order to extend His kingdom. Why did God show him all the the food on the sheet and tell him to go eat? Who was on their way to his house? Anybody know? Or you just want to cheat and look at what it says there? Cornelius, alright? Cornelius was a centurion. He was a Roman soldier. Now, he wasn't necessarily one of the most... um, influential guys around, but he was a guy that had, that was in charge of a hundred men. He would have been thought to be a wise military leader, somebody that was good at what he was doing, somebody who was entrusted with men, made good decisions. And he, one day, the day before, has this vision from the Lord, and the Lord says, send some men to Peter. And when he gets there, tell him to come back to your house. Now, that wasn't a big deal for Cornelius, because in Cornelius' day, they respected the Jews. In fact, we read in the first part of chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles open, you can look there. It says there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. He was a devout man and feared God along with his old household. He did many charitable deeds for the people and always prayed to God. In their day and time, there were these people that would come and they, they weren't full Jews. They hadn't given the full, uh, they hadn't converted completely to Judaism, but they kind of watched and liked it and tried to live by their laws. Cornelius was that man. And he said, it's not a big deal for him to, to associate with Peter, but Peter would have never associated with a man like him. And so the reason that God shows him all this food and says, Peter, get up and eat, it's not just so he can go have whatever he wants to eat. It's not just so he can go to the new buffet in town and have a good time. The reason is because he was getting ready to extend his kingdom beyond what it was. Up until this point, Christianity was basically a Jewish religion. Jesus was Jewish. His apostles were Jewish. The people that gathered around them on Pentecost were mostly Jewish. Just before this, the Ethiopian had heard about Jesus, was one of the first Gentile converts, and now God says, it's time that one of the leaders of the church takes it to a whole new level, and we go to a different place of telling people about who I am. And in order to do that, you're going to have to go eat at his house. Look at verse 17. While Peter was still deeply perplexed about the vision. 
One of the things I love about that verse, just to let you know, is we don't always have to be completely comfortable with what God asks us to do. We just have to be obedient. The men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. They called out asking if Peter was lodging there. While Peter was thinking, the Spirit said, Three men are here looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and accompany them with no doubts at all, because I've sent them. Here's what happens. Peter comes, they, they come, they go to the gate, he says, I'm supposed to go with you. They take a couple of days to get back to the house, and when they get back to the house, Peter wants everybody to know, listen, this is not normal. In verse 28, he says, You know it's forbidden for Jewish men to associate with or visit a foreigner, but God has shown me that I must not call any person common or unclean. So what do you want me to do? Now from that moment, Cornelius and his household hear the gospel of Jesus Christ presented. They accept, believed, and are baptized. The point that I want you to think about today is what is it that God may be calling me to do, to let go of, to get over, to move past, to go in a new direction, in order that I can be part of a church and a community and a part of a life that is reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who are in need. Because the reason that God showed him all this food and said, get up and go eat, and the reason that He said, don't disregard what you've heard for 35, 40 years, is because there's a man that needs to hear about the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and you are the messenger. So don't let food laws get in the way of sharing the Gospel with that man. Who is it in your life the Gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be taken to? And what's preventing you from doing it? You know, one of the things that I envision and desire for us as a church is that we are a group of completely different people who rally around the one cause of telling people about Jesus. Now here's the truth. We are vastly different people. Amen? I mean, there are people that are from all kind of walks of life and stages of life. And that's one of the things I love about our church. One of the things I love about our church is that we are multi-generational. That we are a church that, that has different desires and understandings. We have different... Um, people have different wants and needs. I love that. But what we as a congregation have to say is the thing that ties us all together and that drives us towards being unified is the cause of Jesus Christ and getting His Gospel to the people that need it. And what that means is sometimes you and sometimes me and sometimes us are going to have to vault over, get over some things in our lives that can become an impediment to the Gospel. So let me ask you, at what point would you say no to the Lord? Would it be when He asks you to go next door to your neighbor who is suffering and sharing a word and you've had some differences with your neighbor, maybe the fence argument has happened or the line argument or you've had differences of opinion and you need to go next door and offer an apology and be Jesus in their lives? Is it that kid at school that has been 
bullying you or saying things about you or talking bad about you over and over again or making fun. Your job now is to get over some of those things and go. Is it that you've always felt kind of a, a dread or a fear about going overseas or doing something like that and yet for some reason you feel like going to Brazil this summer is the thing that could lead you to that or going to Lynch, Kentucky the next time we take a trip there could be the thing that God is saying, break down those barriers and go. Could it be laying aside wants and desires and rights sometimes for the betterment of the church body as a whole moving forward? One of the things that's interesting about this passage of Scripture is that God completely rearranges what Peter thinks is acceptable and an entire household comes to faith in Jesus.